Hey, ladies and gentlemen, Andy Shaver here. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Die Bomb Industries. They're the leader in silhouette manufacturing today. They're what we use. We throw the kitchen sink at them seven days a week. They hold up to the pressure test of being uh, the top choice among guides. We love them. Steaks are awesome. They go on the ground fantastically. They don't shine, which is important whenever you're hunting geese. Cannot have a decoy that is shining like a beacon out there. So the guys at Dive Bomb have it figured out. And right now, and just for a little bit longer, for listeners of this podcast, you can save yourself 10% by using the promo code TRUMPTRAIN at checkout. All one word, all lowercase. Go to DiveBombIndustries.com today. Fill up that shopping cart because this promo code will not last much longer. Use a promo code TRUMPTRAIN and you can get the best silhouette on the market, bar none. Trump train. Get a lot of decoys. You need them. The season's coming up. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. You're going to get into the middle of the season, and you're going to think, son of a bitch, kick me in the nuts, shit on my head, and call me Sally. I should have taken advantage of the Trump train promo code. Do it today. It is going to go away quickly. Also, this podcast is brought to you by Sea Light LEDs. Get those lights on your trailer. It will make a world of difference. Nothing worse than fumbling around in the dark, setting up your decoy spread. Put them on your trailer. There's nothing worse than setting out your decoy spread and then the sun coming up and thinking, what the fuck did, did Ray Charles put up this, this spread? Get you some lights for those trailers. Go to SeaLightLEDs.com. That's S-E-E-L-I-T-E. L-E-D-S dot com. Go get your lights for your trailers today. The Big Honker Podcast is brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, home of the Big Honker Lodge. We are located in Knox City, Texas. That's www.stanfieldhunting.com. Been in business for over 25 years. We put them in your face. Ducks, geese, dove, whatever you want to shoot, give us a call at stanfieldhunting.com, 940-658-3172. And we have some November goose specials. I got some October pheasant and dove special. Give me a holler at stamfieldhunting.com. And the Big Honker Podcast is brought to you by 737 Duck Calls. Original design, select grade components, superior sound, and unparalleled service. 737 takes exceptional pride in producing the finest quality, best-built premium calls on the market today. They are made in America and offered only direct to the consumer from their website. Shipping in the U.S. is always free. International orders are also now accepted online. And a 20-day money-back guarantee and a lifetime warranty accompany every call. Purchase 737 Duck Calls. Lead the flock. Okay, folks, get on that 737 Duck Calls website and use promo code HONKER and save 15% off on all your duck call purchases and apparel. That's 737DuckCalls.com. Folks, if you want a good duck call, got a goose call, jump on them and try them if you do it you'll always use them they're good company they're good people they they're american made it is the is a great product so anyways i jeff stanfield am telling you go out and try some 737 duck calls and go to 737duckcalls.com and use honker as your promo code and save 15 percent off on all your purchases thank you i'd like to thank big honker podcast william chris wines that's william chris vineyards out of high texas Folks, if you need that wine for that special occasion, it's wedding season coming along. Zach's getting married first weekend in November. He needs to go to William Chris Wines and William Chris Vineyards and WilliamChrisWines.com. You can get a case of wine sent to you for $1. Go to promo code HONKER, H-O-N-K-E-R, coupon code for WilliamChrisVineyards.com. You can find William Chris Vineyards or William Chris Wines at Bucky's, General Foods, and most other high-end retail outlets for wine. That's WilliamChrisVineyards.com, home of Sway Rose. All right, boys and girls, on this episode of the podcast, Jeff and I break down blinds, what you need, the differences between layouts, panels, A-frames. I see it all the time on all these different uh, Facebook groups. Guys want to know the difference between the, the three and when it when one works over the other. So we give you our take on those, and we talk. Uh, we also talk about hunting in the middle of the field versus the edge. Uh, this is one of those informational ones. So season's coming up, guys are buying blinds, and we kind of give you our take on what works and what doesn't work. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Big Honker Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in.
Three, two, get off your phone, one, boom. And welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver. We are live at the Big Honker Podcast, or the Big Honker Lodge right now. Just got done doing some dove and teal hunting for the weekend. Had a good weekend. Want to talk to people about some blinds today. And Go ahead, Andrew. Being on Facebook and a part of various uh, different Facebook groups, I see the question all the time. Should I get a panel blind? Should I get an A-frame blind? Should I get a layout blind? So we're going to break it down for you today. Let's talk about the... The least comfortable for a fat guy. The layout. Yes. Oh. And when they say extra large, big, they're full of shit. Yeah, just know that. That's number one. Yeah, I. Growing up here, we never hunted out of layouts, and I just I desperately wanted to hunt out of a layout blind, and then I started hunting out of layout blinds. Oh, they they are so uncomfortable. But you know. Ah, uh, excuse me. I had to take a drink of my. Big honker water. Uh, you know, if you're having to hunt in the middle of the field, that's kind of the way that I would prefer to do things. Blake swears that you can run a an A-frame in the middle of the field. It was it was a little tough for me, but you'll have that. Do you think that if you go to the so we're gonna we're gonna go to the layout blinds? That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk straight straight about them. Do what do you think they could do to fix them to make them better? And improve them. You know, it, if you give yourself too much room, then you're then you're talking about something that sticks up too high, and it's hard to it's hard to camouflage. I really don't. I'm not the guy to talk to about that. I'm horrible at invent in, in, at inventions. I'm sure I'm sure somebody will come up come up with something, and I'll be like, oh, why didn't I think of that? But but, well, but let's t- talk about that though, because we found out with A frames and the panel blinds, you don't have to be low profile. So why can't they come up with a, a a layout blind when they say extra large layout here's the problem for a guy that's overnourished like myself and i'm going to say 50 percent of the guys we hunt with are overnourished people we tend to just 50 oh i'm just going to go 50 i'm going to give the other half credit but the other half of us are fat asses that like to eat but and, and a lot of that dudes were older guys but still when they say oversized they don't oversize them because most of our shit's made by the chinese and they're undersized right yeah i mean it just I don't. That's such a tough. That's a tough one because, like I said, you get. I think if you get, you, fuck. I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. They need to make an extra sized one that's <clears throat> twice as as tall. And I don't yeah, think it's gonna make that bitch a fucking difference. A bird don't have I, I, depth I, I perception, just, anyways. The reason the A frames work so well is because professionals are brushing them in. You think that's the reason? Yes, I do think that's the reason. Uh, you know, you can get the most low-profile blind out there, and if you don't brush it in right, it's still going to stick out. So now you're talking about uh, getting something that's even higher and even wider and longer or whatever, and it, it's just really good. There's going to be more surface area that guys aren't going to brush in. So let's talk about brushing in your blind, okay? Okay. Uh, Number one, I the one I, I see a question a lot is should I mud in my blinds? Uh, if you if you know if you just want to, yes, go ahead. It's gonna it'll definitely break that shine. Of Explain the, mud in to the people that don't know. You just you get a brand new blind out of the box. You put the canvas on. And it's kind of got a little bit of a shine. Over time, that will wear down. But right out of the box, it's gonna be it's gonna glare a little bit. Okay. So you can take mud and just smear it all over it. The doors, the bag, the boot bag. Uh, the back of it, everywhere. But if you brush it in properly and you use the straps and get you a bundle full of grass or whatever you're, you're using to hide it, hide with, and put it in the straps and put it in just about every strap to where you don't see the canvas underneath, you don't have to, you don't have to mud it. Um, and I can tell you this. I brush my blind heavily once a year. The first, usually the first hunt of the year, first hunt of the of the new year with my blind, I brush it, and I brush it so good that throughout the rest of the year, all I got to do is just kind of touch up a few spots where it breaks loose here and there. If you're having to brush your entire blind every morning that you use it, you're not doing it right. 
use the straps, get you a big bundle that will, you know, that you got to kind of force in the straps. If you're just getting one corn stalk and sticking it through a strap, well, number one, that's, that's not a big enough bundle that it's just going to work its way loose. So if you properly do your blind, you got to do, you'll do it once the first time you use it. And then the rest of the year, you can just hit a couple problem spots and it'll take you maybe 10 minutes to get your blind done. I think a lot of guys tend to be more like me and I'm on the lazy side when it comes to that kind of shit. Right. And they don't do it. You know, we go, you cut down enough brush and you're like, oh, that's enough when it's only half enough. Yeah. So I think people need to cut down twice as much shit as they, they do. When they cut, you cut up enough to hide your blind, that's half what you need. You need to do twice that much. I, I tell my, I tell my guys on guided hunts whenever we're, uh, when, if we dig peanuts, you know, we, we dig in when we hunt peanuts and we'll put a board from our waist down and, problem with digging is now you got fresh dirt and if you keep that right by your hole then it's not a problem because there's trash that we call peanut stubble that's left over from the combine and you can go and get that and and hide your board that you put over that we put over our legs and the, all the fresh dirt and i tell my guys when you think you're done you think you've got enough go get two more and then then you're probably done because I can't tell, and especially in the dark, you got to remember it's dark whenever you're setting up. So what looks good in the headlights, when that big orange ball gets up in there and the eye in the sky doesn't lie, you're going to see your flaws. So always, always, always get more than you need because, you know, if you're using a layout blind and you get in and out to go get birds three or four times, you can have stuff fall off. And if you had extra when it was still dark outside, just keep it by your blind. And then as you're coming back from getting birds, if you notice that you got a spot of, of where the brush fell off, you got some right by your blind that you can just throw on there real quick. So always get more than what you're going to need. And so just keep it by your blind. I, I think pe people lose sight of the, the concealment and the hide. The most important yes. aspect. I mean, it, you can have 10,000 dive bomb decoys out there. And if you're still. You can be on the X. And you cannot be hidden, and it's going to fuck you done. every time. You're done. I've had it happen. There's been times where we've hunted, and it's the hottest field in the area, and we get to looking, and we're thinking, well, how in the fuck are we going to hide out there? And we do a sub, you know, it's just the way things are laid out. We can't hide that good, and doesn't matter how many birds you're using in the field, how many, uh, you know, decoys you got, if you can't. Uh, if you can't hide, you can't kill birds ever. You gotta hide. I mean, ever. Hide's a key deal to that. So the 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 out of the three blinds, the panel, the A frame, and the layout blind is the panel the hardest one to hide in. Okay. The the other the other, okay. So back to our original thing is everybody asks, should I use a panel or should I use an A frame? To answer that question, you have to know where you're going to be hunting most of the time. If you're hunting a place, if you're hunting uh, a place that's got trees, so most likely not in Texas, uh, but if you're hunting a place that has trees and tree lines that you can hide up next to, a panel blind is great. But when you buy the panel blind, it's not going to come with a back. So that's why I say you got to, got to, got to have something at your back, whether it be a tree line, a fence row that you can, that you can brush in the back, uh, an A-frame, Whenever you put it up, it's got the back already. So it's just, it's, you know, it, it looks like the top part of an A from the cross, cross line up. And it's got a front and a back to it. And it's got doors on each side that you can close. And it's the most, it's, it's the warmest of the blinds too. Sure, because you can lock everything in. Um, with the panel blind, uh, I, I think just, I'm running off of memory here from last year. I think there's four panels to it. I think maybe five. So anyway, you can, you can cock the side, you can 45 the ends to where it'll, it'll, uh, to get it to where the birds can't see inside of the blind. Uh, but if you're going to run a panel, keep in mind, you either need to buy twice as many or you need to hunt a place that, uh, has a tree line that can hide hide your back. Like bells of hay behind you would be an excellent place. Yes, to hide. yeah. Any just anything that you can back up next to, set your buckets down and put that blind right in front of you. Round bells of hay stacked up would be perfect backdrop. Round bells of hay. Um, we used them on a fence row last year, and we just on the on the fence 
we covered it with tumbleweeds so that uh, our back was covered. Birds come over, uh, and, and we've got our back covered. So that's that's the main that's the main difference. They're both great. Uh, the panel blind will be a little bit more versatile. You could move it if you needed to. Um, a frame you can still move the A frame, but uh, I, th I think the panel blind is more versatile. But just make sure you have a way to cover your back is the main thing whenever you're hunting out of a panel. Now, to get you guys to hunt out of an A-frame the first time was not the easiest thing to do. Because you, you, well, you, in your mind, you're just like I was. We hunted all these years, right. hiding in the middle of the field, sure. being set up to, the, the way we hunt. And all of a sudden, we're going to do something completely different and hunt an edge in a damn big box. Um, we had kind of started moving away from the middle of the field and started hunting the edge just a little bit more maybe two years before we got the A-frame, but we were just using layouts. Right. And, and then um, got that A-frame, and then really the way we were hunting didn't change any, but now all of a sudden we're sitting up, and we're a little bit more warm, and my hips aren't hurting at the end of the day because I've been stuck in a layout blind for three hours. And the shooting's gone up. Shooting's, shooting is a lot better because guys can sit on buckets. Um. When we're hunting out of A-frames, I tell them just put your face right up next to the grass and just kind of look through the grass. Don't move the grass, nothing like that, but, you know, you'll be able to see the birds. And then, of course, when you stand up, you you can kind of see everything. Um, and the shooting's a lot better. Guys have a better base. And uh, the only thing – and they sell gun clips, but that's kind of that's kind of my only concern – you get one gun going sideways in an A-frame or a panel, and it's it's going to be a bad day if the safety's not on. So always, always, always make sure that your safeties are on. And, you know, uh, it, it's funny going to talking about hunting A-frames and stuff. We have a big ranch we hunt up here, and there's a guy who used to hunt there years and years ago. And we were talking about hunting, and he, about, about hunting years and years ago. And he told me, he said, Jeff, he said, all you got to do is get right there on the uh, – <laughs> little Reese, a little loud over there, Eddie. Yeah, he's excited. He said, all you got to do is hunt on the edges right there and just pull you up some cedar all around you and sit in that cedar and kill geese, put your decoys right in front of you. And I thought, that old son of a bitch has lost his mind. And looking back When now, did he tell you this? 20 years ago. Really? Yeah. And I thought, there is no way in hell. He had an old blind set up on the, on the peninsulas up there, on the big wheat fields. I can remember 10 or 15 years ago, one of our guys from Minnesota who also worked in Canada said, uh... He suggested to me, "Hey, why don't we why don't we hunt the edge? You know, most most of the fields that I grew up hunting in Texas, there are no trees around. Okay, they're big, wide open fields, and the birds are in the middle. So you that's where you got to be. So uh, we were hunting a field that had a tree line, and he said, "Hey, that's that's where we ought to set up." And I looked at him like, "You're you've lost your damn mind." But that's how they hunted up in Canada just ten or fifteen years ago. And they use willow blinds up there, yes. right in the middle of a field. And I just always chalked it up to just hunting dumb birds. But um, evidently, 15 years later, I think you can do it down here. Blake and Zach had a couple good hunts where they ran the A-frame in the middle of the field. I never did. Um, you know, I don't know if it was the sun position on the day that I hunted. It definitely cast a shadow over the decoys in front of it. Uh, the day that I hunted in the middle of the field with it, but you still killed thirty something birds. No, I I know that, but I would have birds locked up, and then about sixty yards they'd they'd skedaddle. So, now, Zach says it was just all on the talent of the guides. Well, you know there would be twice as much calling. There was twice as much calling in all of Zach and Blake's uh, hunts this year because they hunted together all the time. It's funny how that worked out, huh? Just me, you know, just me. It's just me calling. So Maybe I had more faith in you. That's why I sent you back. I, I guarantee you that's it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, they had they had twice as many flags going, twice as much calling. Of course, You know, they they should have had twice the results, but, uh, you know, okay. that, that's a different topic. You bring up flagging. How the flagging, Yep, it's, it's hard to flag in, in, a, um, in the, all three of those blinds. If you're not in the spread, it's hard to flag. So how do you flag? You gotta, you, I've talked about this before. You've got to have the magic mic and or something of that. The magic mic is basically a flag on a T-frame that's got a little pivot 
thing, pivot point at the back of it, and then you just attach a string to it. And you jerk it like you're a 13-year-old boy. Okay? Let her, let her rip. And, um, you know, that's what I would get. There are some other kind of remote flagging situations, uh, but the Magic Mic is, is what I use. It just, it's what works for me. And that's it's also what uh, Black the uh, Black Zach and Blake use, so uh, that's that's the way that you can flag whenever you're in an A-frame, a panel, or layouts outside of the spread, because flagging is crucial, especially later in the year and early in the year. A lot of times you can just kind of flag and let the calling take a back seat, and but that's the way you flag. Go get a magic mic, and you can string it. Right into your decoys. Because you got to have motion. you got to have it. Have to. Especially down here. Uh, yeah, I, w I, would, I would rather leave my gun, which I don't take a gun much anyway, but this is just for... I would rather leave my gun in the truck than leave my flag in the truck. I mean, they're that important. Cannot stress it enough. I've seen days where flagging works better than calling does. Just, you can... It just it brings life to your uh, to your decoy spread. Yeah, yeah, you watch a flock of geese out in a field, and they don't mm -hmm. just sit there. No. And, I, and I think a lot of people, they just drive by and they see some geese, and there's a couple of sentry heads sticking up, and they don't really watch and stay. But there's constant movement. When they're feeding on a cold day, they, they, they walk and eat at the same time. They don't just sit in the same spot. Right. I mean, people see a flock of geese, and they think they're there. They don't realize there's a lot of movement and stuff going lots on Lots of there. motion, lots of domestic violence. I mean, there's, they're constantly scuffling. And that's what you're trying to mimic. You're just you're wanting you're just wanting to bring some life to your decoys. If it's a calm day, and that's the only movement you've got, it's critical. So I, um, if I was hunting by myself, it got to where I would put two two uh, magic mics out and just string them. You know, just run that string back to where I was sitting, and then I can I could pull one magic mic on the left side of the spread, and then one maybe on the right. I'm interested um, to see these mojo things, how that's going to help. And then if uh, it got to where birds were kind of favoring one side or the other, I could, you know, say they're they're setting up on the right and none of the guys on the left are getting any shooting, I would take uh, I would take my magic mic off of the right side, move it a little bit further to the left, and then you can really drag those birds uh, across the line so that everybody can get some shooting. But, uh, yeah. Just because you're hunting on the edge does not mean that you need to forget the flag. I've seen guys uh, run out of the run out of the blind flag and then get get back in the blind as the birds get a little bit closer. You could do that, but I just I really like to use a flag as I'm as I'm finishing the birds. My kids them locked onto something and yes. keeps them off of you. They could, they aren't looking right. at you; they're looking at that flag. Right, and uh, and if you're hunting out of the decoys, yeah, like you said, if you can get the if you can get the attention off of your blind and off of your setup and off of everything else, and that's where they're looking at, then that's – I take my chances with them looking at my spread than at my blind because, I mean, sooner or later they're going to pick something out of your blind. What do you uh, – it's looking like early reports out of Canada. It looks like a good year. The guys up Canada right now are doing a lot better than they were last year at this time. Uh, Fox texts me, and he said – he went fishing in Canada. They told him that they were three weeks ahead of fall. And then he texted me and said that uh, he's got a little deer lease in Ohio, and they were already picking it. And it's he said that's right at three weeks ahead in Ohio also. Oh, it means if we're three weeks ahead, that means we are going to have a absolutely cold Halloween. Last Halloween was cold. So that means this year I hope it's colder, and that means Thanksgiving hunting good. So I've got some November dates left in Texas. Texas is going to be absolutely the bomb in November then is what's going to happen if we're three weeks ahead. And that's what I was told by some guys up there the other day that it's just they're slaying them. Somebody in uh, Alberta, it's already snowed Yes, up I in saw Canada. that. So Somebody was hunting in Alberta, and it was snow. It was snow all over the ground already. Birds are going to be on the move. I, it's looking – I don't want to jinx it, so I'm not even going to talk about it, but – it's looking like we're going to have a very, very special, special year here. Supposed to be. It was cool this morning, cooler than, I mean, you could really tell the difference in the last two weeks. Just, oh, yeah. And it's, everybody's like, well, shit, yeah, it's two weeks later, fall's coming. But there's a definite crispness in the air in the mornings mm -hmm. we ain't had so far, and it's just now starting to get that way. But I'm looking forward to it. 
all the water's full. It's looking really, really good. Uh, we just looked at the new dive bomb silhouette, the speckle bellies. Good looking decoys. They are. And if you are lucky enough to win the dive bomb giveaway hunt, you can walk away with two dozen of those. So be sure and go to the Big Honker Podcast Facebook page and enter to win. It's pinned to the top. Not hard to find. Nope. Jump on that. Uh, give us a review. You got to go. You got to do you a can, review. You can just follow the rules. Just follow the rules, as Andy says. You're a little tired today, aren't you? I'm dragging a little bit. What, what are we so tired for? Your, your kids wearing you out? Ah, oh, just, just worn out. Hunting season's not even here, and I'm already tired. You probably get more rest during goose season than you do. Two little boys are going to make a big difference in your world, though. Yeah. Hey, going home in a nice, quiet house, take a nap for you and lure over. Done. Yep, it's done, but yep. oh well. Okay, let, I want to talk a little bit deer hunting stuff, because we are in Texas, and Texas is big. Well, deer hunting's big everywhere. This is the time of year, folks, if, especially in Texas. If you're deer hunting, our gun season opens up the first weekend in November. You need to get your blinds out now. I see these guys come rolling up at, their, at these leases the three days before deer seasons, and they want to put a deer stand up. They want to put a feeder out, get a pen built around it to keep the wild hogs out. You need to have that stuff done now. You're, 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 burning, you're burning fuel right now if you ain't doing it right now. You need to get it done. Yeah, and deer hunting's something I know nothing about. You don't know nothing about deer hunting? No. Andy, when he was a little kid, was going to go shoot a deer. We had a big, nice ranch, about 15,000-acre place. And I put him, same down, and there was a nice buck. And I say nice buck, 130-inch deer. And I was like, do not shoot nothing but that deer. <clears throat> and me and Zach went riding around. We were going to shoot a deer. And I left Andy there, and I gave him a cell phone. I said, you call me if you shoot something, but do not shoot nothing until you see that big buck. He'd seen it before. Okay, yep, 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 I'm going to do it. We didn't get, even in the next gate, and my phone rings. I got a deer. I was like, that big deer? Uh, I got a deer. I was like, shit, he didn't shoot that big deer. And I walked back there, and Andy shot a little nubbin buck whose who's brow tie hadn't even busted through the skin yet. It, it was disheartening for sure. That kind of put bad taste in my mouth for deer hunting. And so that's been the di- the end with you and the that deer was it. I don't enjoy deer hunting because it's just... It's I just don't like it. It's it's boom. I wouldn't mind shooting a big deer. I don't want to go hunt them. I enjoy duck hunting and goose hunting so much more. Yeah. I like the birds working the decoys. Yeah, I mean, you're just kind of at the mercy of the deer. It, if it doesn't walk in front of you, you're just kind of screwed. You can't change it up much. And, um, and I've seen some big old deer in my days running around. I've seen some monsters, and it just happened to be at the right place at the right time, or they're chasing a doe and they're stupid as shit by the by the road a goose don't ever get stupid or a duck i mean don't ever get stupid no you gotta be on the x i mean they they don't just randomly get stupid and go do something they don't normally do oh they pattern right there's 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 more to it than just going out putting decoys up right i think these guys that watch these duck hunting shows and these goose hunting shows i don't think they realize what goes into it because if you're a duck or goose hunter you do but for the person that don't know much about hunting you watch a duck and goose hunting show, and you think, oh, you just go to a field, and you put some decoys up, and they're going to come right to you. Mm-hmm. They don't know how much work goes into having that place to hunt or the X or whatever it is. Yeah. Now, I, I believe on a windy day, you can shoot geese on traffic, and you don't have to always be a windy day, but you got to be between the roost and the food field. Ducks, mm-hmm. you can just get underneath them somewhere, and it's going to be the same way. I think if, if you're going to hunt traffic on geese – you don't really have to have a. You don't necessarily have to have a windy day, but if you're running traffic, you do have to have a big spread. And wind damn sure helps. Wind dam, it definitely. Not going to argue that, but if you have a big spread and you make it look like, hey, things change, parties, parties over here now, uh, you'll have much better success do you on think, a traffic day. Do you think wind <coughs> makes as big a difference on the ducks? I don't think wind makes as big a difference Probably on the not, ducks. No. If anything, I think it makes it harder because they're fighting to get in. That's another thing. If you got if you got a hard win, uh, even with geese, it's hard because you got that that extra ten or fifteen yards is critical when the wind is cranking. So I think if you get a really really windy day, you're gonna have a tough time shooting ducks just because they get in and out so fast on a non windy day. I had I had a guy <clears throat> tell me that one day when the hunt was over, we, we hunting. He goes, "Well, God dang," he said. One day you say we ain't got no wind, so today we have wind. It was cranking about 35. He said, now you say we have too much wind. I said, well, yeah. The too much wind is they can go from 10 yards to 60 yards in a second. Yeah. They put that wing up, they're gone. And that hurts on the shooting end of it. 
Mm-hmm. And they got such a long time to get that last 50 yards. It seems like a goose can crawl across, a, go across the field in a heartbeat, mm-hmm. but that last 100 yards the spread takes absolutely freaking forever. Yeah. And it's tough because, you know, you look at them and they're 25, 30 yards, and you're like, yeah, I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. But you just got to – they got to be 10 yards if the wind's cranking above 30 or 35. Or you got to be quick on the draw. But for us, you know, we're always hunting with clients who are a little bit older, so we want to maximize our opportunities, and we want to get in and out as quickly as we can. And we also want to put on a show. And if we're calling the shot and birds aren't falling – uh, it's not going to take long before they look over at what you're doing and uh, want them a little bit closer. So I try to get them as close as I can before they before they shoot. What what do you, what's your goal for this season? Do you have what, any? Do you have have you set any goals for you on what your stay on, alive? Besides that, do you have any goals on birds? That nope. You, nope. I'm gonna let the season come to me. Not worried. I mean, not worried about it. Let the chips fall where they may. Was there any trophy that you haven't shot yet that you'd like to shoot? I mean, I got to be realistic about where I'm hunting, so no, not really. Got a quill that I'm looking at, shot graders, shot, you know, I'm not going to go. With this occupation, you're not going to go hunt anywhere, so no. There's really nothing that I can think of that I'm going to shoot this year that I, you know, there's nothing that I saw last year like, oh, shit, I really want to shoot that. I mean, it takes a hell of a trophy for us to put it on the wall here because we've, <laughs> we've killed everything right. in, the, in our flyway. And we've killed some stuff that's not in our I flyway wanna, here. I just want to kill some bands. That's what I want. I want a band, I want a band or two. Didn't so get want, any last year. I saw Randy Gary and them shot a banded teal this morning in Son Louisiana. Son of a bitch. So we shot a four-man limit and got it banned. Uh, I'm telling you, he must be living right. And we've never killed a banded dove, ever. No band that we dove. know of, right. and none of our hunters. I mean, nobody in our camp has ever. And we shoot a lot of dove. I bet. I bet one has been thrown away. I'll bet you're right about that because nobody looks at the dove feet, anyways. No, nobody does. Um, did you did uh, when you started hunting? Y'all hunted the edge a lot, didn't you? Yeah, going, but it going, was, going back to the original argument about blinds. That when we first when we first started hunting the peanuts. My first hunts we did were on water, and we used to hunt. We used to hunt little peninsulas and stuff on the water, and we thought we were pretty slick. We come up with the deal: instead of laying in the mud, we would take a tarp, and we'd put the tarp down, and we'd take two or three bales of hay, uh-huh. and you'd you'd lay on the tarp, and you'd take the hay, and you'd spread it around you and blend it into the wheat, and it actually doesn't stick out as much as it sounds like it would. And we we hunted that way, and we killed a lot of birds that way. And you take two or three bales, and that way as you, the day goes along and you bust it up, you have more to bust up. And you could buy a bale hay for five bucks then. Then we got away from that, and we when we first started hunting the peanuts, we hunted in the edge and tumbleweeds. And then we decided we needed to try to figure out how to hide, so we hard, started hiding out in the middle. And we laid the tarp down, and we did the same kind of deal we did that. And I'll never forget, Dad was with us one morning, and I grabbed a big scoop. And, and back then there was a lot more peanut stubble than there is now. Uh-huh. Today, farmers, they don't leave much stuff no more. There's not a, a good farmer. If you want to hunt on somebody's field and get a lot of hunting for a long time, you need to find you a shitty farmer. <laughs> because a good farmer, they, they they try not to leave nothing out there. That's their money they're leaving out there. Right. So back then, they would leave a lot of peanut stubble, a whole lot more. And so you could almost, you could take a, four, a, a, a rake almost and rake up big bunches of it. And it's it, peanut du- hay holds tons of dust. It is probably the dustiest of all hay there is. Very dusty. And Dad was on a hunt with us, and I grabbed a big old pile of it. And I was trying to get his head down, and I threw it in his face and told him to lay down, and he started coughing and spitting out sand and dust. He was not real happy. So when you first started, you started hunting the edge. Yeah. I'm, the t- getting, I'm getting to a question here. Okay. Do you think that... Um, do you think that birds are being conditioned? So... We went from hunting almost exclusively in the middle of the field and in the middle of the feed to close to, I'd say, 100% of the time in Oklahoma, we're on an edge. Okay. Do you think that birds get conditioned to asserting to a certain situation? Well, the... Hiding in the, you know, like... I understand what you're asking. 
Well, for the listener that doesn't. Okay, go ahead. Hiding in the middle of the field, do you think birds got conditioned to that 20 years ago? And now this is the curveball that we're throwing at them? Yes and no. Yes, I think they will be conditioned eventually. No, it didn't happen then. Because no, because we were hunting different than everybody else was. Because the birds up north were seeing edge kills. Down here they were seeing the middle of the field. Right. So they were seeing both things all year long. Do I think a bird is smart enough to reason that? No, I don't. You don't think that a bird's smart enough to figure out, like, every time I fly over a barbed wire fence? I think they can see changes. I don't know. I, if it was everybody doing it, like the snow goose hunting, everybody got away from hunting snow geese in a blind and all started pass shooting the suckers. So they got where they were got to high, flying higher and higher. and Right. You know, they circle 5,000 times before they come in. But a Canada goose is so adaptive to stuff. But I don't think that it's made a long-term effect on them yet. It may eventually. Because we're pretty new into this. The A-frames, don't, this is only its second or third year out. Right. But guys have been hunting out of willow blinds in Canada for years doing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's the same concept. It's just making it easier for everybody to do. We could go out and build a box blind and stick around the corners. That's what they're hunting out of. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. Same concept. It's just a box with brush around it. Uh, so I don't, you don't think birds – I mean – I don't think eventually you're not going to be able to shoot birds on the edge because they're all going to want to go land in the middle again. I always thought birds wanted to be in the middle until we started hunting on the edge, and everybody else hunts the edge everywhere already because I would see someone hunting on the edge. I said, look at that fuck stick over there. He ain't got a fucking clue what he's doing. Right. And then they have a picture of shooting 30 birds. I'm thinking, how the fuck? I just. And then once we started doing it, and then it makes sense because the birds don't have any depth perception. Right. So they don't know if they're landing in the middle of the field or they're landing 10 yards from it, I don't think. Well, and we try to get... If we're going to hunt an edge, we try to get fairly close to where the birds were feeding the night before. Right. So, you know, the birds aren't on the north end of the field and hunt, and now we're hunting the south end. That might not work because I think a lot of times birds kind of know where they're at in the field. And if the field's big enough, then, yeah, you can kind of screw yourself. So if you're going to hunt the edge, try to get as close to where the birds were feeding as you possibly can. And if you can't get close to where they were feeding, get underneath where they're coming from, from the roost. So if you know if you're hunting a big field and you know that you can't uh, that there say there's not an edge close to where they were feeding, damn sure make sure that you're underneath where they're coming from from the roost, like because that's that's a big part of the battle is just getting underneath them. Well, the the, the goose, the Canada goose has changed more than the speckle belly and the snow goose has. 25 years ago, I've been 25, no, I've been about 25, 27 years ago, I went to uh, the the Boundary Waters, which is on the Minnesota-Canada border in the summertime. I went fishing. I did it two years in a row. And I went up there late August, like a week before dove season, mm-hmm. or two weeks before dove season. Went up there and went fishing. Well, on the way up there, I like ducks and geese. So if I see them, you know, I stop and look at them. On them trips up there, the only place we'd start seeing Canada geese was Minneapolis north. Right. You'd see graders in the towns and stuff. I didn't see them anywhere else. Now, they're everywhere. Every big city's got flocks of resident Canada geese. Yeah. So they've acclimated themselves, and they've changed a lot. And, the, and so they've adapted so much. So I think the little Canada geese, which we shoot mostly— I don't think they're going to catch on to the, you know, for, they only get hunted for three months out of the year. The other nine months, they're back up on the tundra. Right. Because those little geese don't even get hunted hard in Canada usually, because they usually don't start coming down until, you know, October 1st. Is that pretty safe to say usually? Yeah. And so they're shooting big geese up there early. <clears throat> so those, those little geese, a lot of them jump down. So they're only getting hunted for three or four months. So I don't think it's really going to bother them much, mm-hmm. as much as it would maybe on the big birds. And the big birds, Heather everywhere now i mean yeah. well like uh when we had trinan on he was talking about the interior geese that are kind of a mixture of big birds and and lessers and just how big of a pain in the ass that they are and that's probably because uh they don't winter very far into canada so they're kind of always under pressure might be why they're pain in the dick i don't know but you don't see any specks that are localized or snows no. You might see a park somewhere that's got one or two snows that have been injured or, you know, or a speck here or there. But those birds are all northern birds. They go to the tundra. That's right. where they hatch. 
And there's got to be some changes coming because the spec population has exploded in the last 20 years, mm-hmm. or it seems to me that it has. I mean, you talk about limits in Utah. Was it eight or ten birds a day? And Right. And, and it keeps getting. So th- their population is, are they, are they roosting in the same place or nest in the same place as a snow goose does? No, I don't think they go as far. But that's got to be an issue on some things, too. But uh, back to your original question, I think the Canada goose – I don't think we're going to affect them by us hunting the edge or hunting the 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 middle of the field. Right. And a lot of people hunt the edge because they can't hide in the middle of the field. That's true. I mean, it's just it's almost impossible. Now, I have seen a lot more people that are using the A-frames and stuff and hiding in the middle of the field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I You know, if you're going to hide in the middle of the field, you, I think you need, you're going to need a lot of decoys. What do you call a lot of decoys? What, for Canada uh, goose spread. For where we hunt, we're hunting lessers, we're hunting big flocks, big wads. 50 dozen is a very, very basic spread in my mind. How many? 50 dozen. 600 decoys yeah. is a basic spread. Yes, yeah. Yep. And And people don't realize that you know, some of these in places that are shooting a lot of small geese, they're lo- they're running flocks of, you know, we're hunting feeds with five to 20,000 birds in them a lot of days. Well, you know, Goose Brothers, go look at the teaser for Goose Brothers, which comes out, Goose Brothers, the full feature comes out tomorrow, Tuesday, September 18th, YouTube and Facebook. Uh, but go look at the opening scene of the teaser. I mean, look at that, at that feed that, that the birds are coming into. I, mean, I got to replicate that in the morning. You know, I mean, I, that that's what I got to do. So, yeah, 50 dozen is kind of the starter pack, and everything builds from there. November, when we start goose hunting, it's going to be it's gonna be 50 dozen. Uh, and then we'll grow from there. And, you know, one thing that I'm seeing a lot of is guys wearing wearing the, the, the white hoodie and then hiding in the snows. That seems to be kind of the flavor of the month that guys are having success with. They put on a white hoodie, get those snow socks, and blend right in, and they're killing Canada's over them. Yeah, I saw a video of it the other day where they were doing that. And see, a long time ago, we didn't have that many snow geese. But the snow geese population has definitely changed. And Canada's are used to seeing snows mixed in. Yes. It's helping. I mean, you know, that's another way that guys down south are are killing a whole lot of birds. Now, when you put your decoy spread out, if there's snows in the deal, do you put the snows in the front of the spread, the back of the spread? The upwind upwind side. I always get screwed up with that because I got into a big argument on what what is the front of your spread. I consider the stuff behind you. Is the front? I consider the front of the spread is where you're hiding at on the very front, which I guess would be the back of the spread, depending on what you did. I, that's what I'm saying. A the, lot of people get confused. What I call the front of the spread is the the end that's facing into the wind. The very, the edge facing into the wind is the front of the spread. The front of the spread to me is where my feet are facing. That would be the back of the spread to me. Really? The bird comes from the back to the front. I understand. So I would consider that the back and the front would be where you're sitting at. We're behind you even. See? So you consider it back asserts? No, you consider it back asserts. So you want to put your I snow geese it, at your feet, or do you want to put your snow geese behind your head? If I'm laying, if I'm laying, the snow geese are behind me. At the front of the spread. At the back of the spread. They're behind me. It, it, just the words that I'm using explain where this is in the spread. It's well, behind me. It's the back of the spread. We have fucked up everybody listening to this. That's what I'm saying. That's People already get fucked up just based on... Because I got into an argument one day. Uh, it was when Johnny Miller was working for us. And we were, the night before, we had scouted and we were kind of at dinner. We were kind of getting a game plan of what we were going to do the next morning. <clears throat> and, excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. <clears> throat> and kind of the way he was explaining it and the way I was explaining it, he kept saying the back of the spread. I kept saying the front of the spread. You meant the same thing. And we got into an argument about where to put decoys and. We were talking about the same thing. We realized that 15 minutes into this argument that we were talking about doing the exact same thing. Me and, and you meant the same thing both. I know. The, the, yeah. the downwind side is what you called it, or the upwind. And that's another thing that fucks me up. That's the upwind side, <laughs> okay. right? Okay, yeah. 
Which way the wind blows from is upwind. Is upwind. And that's where you want the snow geese on I'm the upwind side. That, so that's <clears throat> God damn, I can't get rid of this frog. Wind blows down. Oh, fuck. I don't know. Upwind. I don't know. I'm all fucked up now. <laughs> if you got a north wind, you want to put the snow geese on the north on end the of the north spread. End of the spread. Okay. And if you yes. got a south wind, you put them on the south <clears throat> end of the spread. So if it's a teardrop, you want them on the top of the tier. Well, fuck, what's the top of the tier now? The top of the tier would be the where it's... Uh, yes, we're talking the same know. thing. I don't know. So, folks, if but you're yes, hunting a north to me, wind... If you're, if you're hunting a north wind, rule is the wind's at your back, so you're facing the south. Which yes. you're also facing the front of your decoy spread. What, as far as what, okay. Message us and let us know what you call what <laughs> you call that. I'm, And that was another thing I said. I'm like, I'm not a fucking goose. So, yeah, I'm facing the front of the spread. My back is to the back of the spread. It goes without saying it's common sense. Well, no, because the goose is the exact opposite of you are. I'm not a fucking goose. I know. So when I'm talking to another human being, I'm talking in, in human being terms. When I get out there in the morning, then I'll start talking to the geese. If I was talking to a goose, yes, I would the probably. The easy way to do it is if you're hunting a north wind, you put the snows on the north end of the yeah. decoy spread. If you're hunting a south wind, you put them on the south side of the decoy spread. That is, that okay. is That's the way I like to do it well, because I always hide. At the back of the spread. But that's usually where they're at also in a, when we see flocks. Of Most the, of the, the snows are on the top side or the so back side, I've, whatever you call it. You're lying because I've heard you talk to clients and you're like, oh, we always, the guides always hide at the back of the spread. I don't think I've Caught ever said you that. in your own words. I don't think I've ever said that. I said they stay behind you. They're you back know, of at you. At the back of the spread. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. God almighty, now I'm fucking confused over <clears> it. can get you. It can get you. So before you get into an argument with your hunting buddy, make sure that you're not talking about the same thing before you spend 15 minutes. Finally, we had to we had to bring out the crayons and draw what each other was thinking. And that's how we figured out, like, son of a bitch, we've been arguing with one another, and we've been saying the exact same thing. So, yeah, there's that. Do you ever put the uh, mojos in front of you? Or behind oh, you? Fuck. No, hold on, hold on. Let me do it this way. Do you ever put the mojos behind the hunters, or do you always never. take them in front? They're where the always come in from? front of the hunters. Okay, that's one. Never sure. behind the guys because uh, that's where the ducks are going to work. That's where your birds are going to try to land, and then that's a, that's a very very unsafe shot. Always keep your motion, whatever it is, a flag or a mojo spinner, whatever. Keep it out in front of you because that's where the birds are going to try to get to. And so that's. <coughs> That's how we do it then. Now, I've noticed some of those snow machines and stuff, those guys put those behind uh, them. I'm not using that. I've never understood. Those work for snow geese, but they won't work for Canada geese. Yeah. Uh, you know, we used them maybe 10 years ago for, they worked phenomenally. We thought we had lightning in a bottle. Birds had gotten really, really tough. It was hot in January. Birds had gotten stale. Put one of those machines out and we shot. We went from shooting three, four, five, ten birds on a good day. And the next day we shot 50 birds, and we thought we got the next big thing. Uh, we did that three more days, and they shut her down. They did not like that. Too much motion, something happened. I'm not a fan of them. Boy, the snow goose guys use them like crazy. They love them, and, and snow geese love them. Snow geese eat them up. But if you're hunting Canada geese, unless, thing, unless you're just throwing shit to the wall and hoping that it sticks, I would not invest in one of those. Just get your regular goose flag, a magic mic for if you're hunting an edge, and run it that way. All right. Well, I, I hope we, we've confused everybody I really think, good. I think we so, have. let me break this down once again because it, it is time for people. They're going to start buying blinds. Layouts are great. If you got to hunt in the middle of the field, that, that would probably be what I would recommend to use. Um, if you're going to hunt the edge and you know you're going to hunt the edge, if you're hunting a place, if you're going to hunt a tree line a lot, go with the panel blinds. Uh, you can't if you, if even if you're hunting a place that doesn't have a back, uh, just get make sure you got enough panel blinds to cover your backside. Um, I prefer of all of the three. I prefer the A-frame if I'm hunting the edge. So brush them in good. Concealment is the biggest battle. Concealment first hunt where the birds are. Concealment get under the birds are your top three priorities in and the morning. And I'm gonna go ahead and let you let you um, dance your own dance right now. Did you go undefeated in fantasy football the first week? <coughs> I knew you wanted to talk about this. Well, I don't want to talk about it. No, okay, we're good. All right. Well, thank y'all for listening. But okay. I will say this: 
Goat pretty well explains. Uh, my, you were, you were fourth and scored in our league. <clears throat> Next question. Okay. Trey Woodard's laughing over here. He's up here dove hunting right now. He's over there laughing at you. All right, that's all I got. No other questions about football or anything. We can talk fantasy football next week. Update is Andy did go undefeated this week. So did Zach. And Zach scored more points than you did this week. Listen. There's nothing to listen to. It's a fact. Goat means the greatest of all time. You nicknamed yourself, so you might as well call yourself I Twat. I didn't. Yeah, you We've did. covered this already. Yes. People know the truth. People, thank you for listening. Go to iTunes, do the reviews. Get on the Big Honker podcast or the Big Honker Dive bomb, dive bomb hunt. Do something giveaway. Yeah, and that's that November 14th, 15th, 16th. And now we have a Big Honker podcast closed group. Just go and ask to make friends. You ain't got to give no blood or nothing. We'll accept you. you talk about the podcast. You can talk about product. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about on there. Um, it's kind of an easier ra- way to reach uh, both of us. Yes. We'll, we'll answer any questions on there. You can make it public. You can get other people to debate with you. Because we we've got a group of about 100 guys that message us pretty regular on stuff all the time. And I think a lot of you guys would like to chat with each other also. If you come there and ask questions, I think you'll get a lot of feedback from other people with a lot of the same questions. You know, we take for granted a lot of times because we, we hunt every day, and we're very fortunate and blessed <clears> to do this. But a lot of guys, you know, they, they hunt on weekends or right. a couple, and they've got a lot of questions, a lot of good questions. Yep. You know, things that we see, and there's been some questions people have asked me. I thought, damn, that's a damn good question. And, you know, we don't have all the answers, but by God, we'll damn sure give you our honest opinion. A guy messaged me about snow goose e-collars the other day, and I was like, listen, I don't know oh, a damn thing about a snow goose e-collar. So, you know, I wasn't the guy to ask about that, but someone else on our page that's on that closed group maybe might know. Not, might know. So help, you know, knock yourself out. Could Get on there. Join it with us. We'd love to have you on there. Got a brand new Stanfield Hunting outfit shirt, Outfitter shirt. Should be done in 10 days. It's pretty sharp looking. Um, anyways, that's it. God bless you. Uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it very much. Be safe and enjoy a nice, nice September. Get to get ready for October.